Move Against Cancer podcast. We are your hosts, Gemma Hillier Moses, Move Charity founder, lover of all things running, travel, and tea. And I'm Lucy Gossage, oncologist, outdoor adventure lover, and 5K UA co founder. I'm Georgie Freeman, lover of exploring new places and the 5K UA manager. The reason we originally set up this podcast was to inspire and support and empower people to move and live an active and fulfilling life despite a cancer diagnosis. In this podcast, we want to share the stories of ordinary people doing incredible things as they find their own way to move against cancer. Going through cancer treatment can feel incredibly isolating and lonely. There's so much behind every individual cancer journey and so much of it is unseen and often unspoken. We want to explore the ways our guests navigate their way through the unimaginable. And we hope that by doing this, we can provide you with some tips, some tools and some inspiration to make your journey that little bit easier. We'll cover every aspect of living with and after cancer, from physical and psychological well-being, identity, goal setting, mindset, staying active, grief and loss, family and friends, and so much more. We will make you laugh, but we also may make you cry. But we guarantee that you'll take something away from every single episode. So we do really hope that you enjoy listening. Welcome to the Move Against Cancer podcast. For those of you who don't don't know me, I'm Gemma Hillier Moses and I'm the founder of Move Charity. So am I allowed to mention the word Christmas? <laughs> I can't actually believe we've had snow this weekend and it's been absolutely mental and I still can't quite believe that I put my Christmas tree before December the 1st. Um, I was just thinking how much I've changed because I really feel like Christmas is about a week away and we still have quite a while. So I'm definitely going to have peaked um, in these next two weeks and then be sick of Christmas trees and Christmas songs by the time we get to the middle of December. But anyway, enough about Christmas and snow. Um, back to the podcast. So the reason we wanted to set up the podcast was to give people space and the opportunity to share their stories and to inspire others. And that's why we launched the podcast in the first place. So we really do hope that even if you just take one bit of advice, inspiration or hope from each of our guests, that you'll get a lot out of these podcasts. So this week, I'm really excited to be interviewed, interviewing Tim B- Bainan. And I'm really, really bad with last names, but <laughs> hopefully, Tim, I got that right. Um, but this podcast is going to be all about overcoming cancer, running a marathon and writing a book, The Running Drug. So Tim has spent much of his career as a journalist writing and editing stories of other other sporting achievements and personal achievements. He has spent many years working in the third sector, helping charities communicate their message and develop fundraising strategies. And he's an absolutely brilliant storyteller. So we're going to talk about his journey from a cancer diagnosis to a marathon medal. And he talks about that being via gloved fingers, blood tests and black toenails. So I think each of us, depending on where you are in your life, can relate to one of those. And The Running Drug, which is his book, tells the personal story of how Tim's running addiction helped him to overcome cancer, finish his first marathon and discover a fit and healthier future. So I'm really excited for this episode and really hope you enjoy listening. Welcome to the Move Against Cancer podcast. I am delighted to have Tim as our guest today. Welcome, Tim. Hi, Gemma. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thanks. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Good. I'm going to just ask you quickly before we go into the podcast, because you've got a really an amazing and inspiring story that I want to talk to you about. But I have you got your Christmas tree up yet? 
Gosh, no. Do you know, I think I'm probably, I feel like it's, uh, it's kind of just crept up on us December all of a sudden. I can't believe it's, it's, it's come around so quick. So no, down our street, I think we're the last ones to go with the Christmas lights and the decks. So my kids are hassling me tonight. It's got to be to done get tonight. It up. So, yeah, <laughs> the, the tree's going up tonight, definitely. Oh, good. Yeah, because I've definitely moved into a wasn't getting my Christmas tree up before December the 1st. And now I've got my Christmas tree up because it snowed on Saturday and Sunday. So um, going full on Christmas spirit. But I was saying to someone today that I'm probably going to be sick of it by the middle of December. Um, oh, well, so... there you go. We've already smashed into the mince pies, though. So that counts. That's, that's oh, the, yeah, that definitely that's, that's counts. That's Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so enough of the Christmas chat, but it's always nice to get into the Christmas spirit. Um, so we're going to talk to you about um, you, you, you and your journey going from a cancer diagnosis to a marathon medal. And in between there being blood tests, black toenails, um, all sorts of um, all sorts of interesting things that went on in your life in that period. Um, but I want you to give us an overview because you've also you know we're going to talk about the book that you've brought out but take us back to the beginning how did those two things start to come together and and what happened um to get you to where you are now with writing the book gosh okay that's a big question to start with it's uh I know, sorry yeah that's all right no worries um so yeah so I've I've been a runner since my 20s I've always I've always really really enjoyed it um it, it's I kind of I, I say I've always really enjoyed running. I have enjoyed it since my 20s, but before then I was totally indifferent to running. It wasn't a part of my life at all. So so my teenage years and all that kind of stuff, I was I was did other sports and things, but I wasn't really into running. And then I sort of took up running with it when a, a friend sort of gave me a um uh, uh, encouraged me to enter this competition, this race with him. So I I I did that and sort of started running in my twenties and got the got the bug from there. And just kept kept running and 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 really enjoying it. Never really sort of doing anything seriously. I was doing five k's and ten k's and the occasional half marathon and things like that, um, and just doing it doing it for fun really. Um, and then it kind of sort of stepped up a gear in my thirties, and and I took it a bit more seriously and and starting entering a few more few more races and, and uh, sort of beginning to actually work on actually trying to get fitter and improve my pace and my my um, you know my distance and so on and so forth. And so running, um, you know, became a really important part of my life in, in my 30s. Uh, and um, yeah, just because it all continued on from there. And I didn't think anything of it. My life, my life just sort of was was typical, you know, typical of people in their 30s. I was working. I, I, I had a young family and um, didn't think too much about my health and, and my well-being other than just, you know, making sure I, I ate the right things and, and did, did the right amount of exercise and didn't really think anything else of it. And then, then I turned 40. Um, so this is back in um, uh, 2017. Um, I, I turned 40. Uh, and when you turn 40, uh, quite soon after, you get invited to by the NHS to go for your health check, 40-year health check. Which I was going to say, is, yeah, do, I, sorry, do I need to say congratulations for turning 40 as well? Well, I <laughs> That's don't like know. a big milestone in life. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a horrible milestone, isn't it? But it, it creeps up on people and then you, yeah, then you, then you, yeah, you pass it and yeah, 40, dear, dear. Anyway, I turned 40, <laughs> I turned 40 and, uh, um, you know, not, not what I was looking forward to it much, but I turned 40. Uh, and then soon after, I don't know, the NHS kind of suddenly starts to take an interest in your health and well-being and through your door arrives this, invitation to go to a health check and uh i thought god wow okay i've never really thought about that before but um uh actually i talked to my my mum about uh about a few things uh and she'd she'd been nagging me for a while to go and get my cholesterol checked because we had a 
history of cholesterol, bad cholesterol in my high cholesterol in my family. And I think she'd been suspicious ever since she saw saw me demolish like a block of cheese at Christmas or something. So all the mince um, pies. Yeah, all the mince pies, <laughs> that's it, all the chocolate and all that stuff. So I said, right, Mum, don't worry, I'll go. I've been invited to this health check. I'll go and I'll go along and and and, and do it. So I went along and, and did that health check and didn't think anything of it. And it's something that takes all of about, you know, 10, 15 minutes. You know, the doctor takes a bit of blood. Uh, you know, I think, you, you know, you, you get asked a few questions about how much you eat and drink and smoke and so on and so forth. Um, and, and that's pretty much it. You know, it's it's it doesn't take very long. And um, then they say, oh, OK, we'll, we'll come back in a couple of weeks time and we'll go we'll go through it. So I sort of went away, think, not thinking anything of it. And then. I got a phone call a week or so later saying, um, you know, the doctors, you know, they flagged something in your in your results, in your blood test, saying you've got a raised PSA level. Can you come back and see the doctor? So I was like, yeah, OK, all right, no problem. And then, uh, you know, as you do with these things, the first thing you do is jump on Google, Google. and find out, <laughs> find out what PSA is. And then, uh, you know, then that's when the whole sort of roller coaster started, because that's when I discovered that, PSA stands for prostate specific antigen and it's a measure uh, uh, of um, it can be a measure an indicator rather of, of prostate cancer so that's when the whole sort of journey started in that respect. And did you have any just from an awareness point of view because did you have any symptoms before then or was it literally luckily you got the blood test to be able to tell you? Yeah it, uh, right up until that point I, I don't think I'll actually uh, a fortnight before that health check, I'd just beaten my personal best in a 10K, mm. my local 10K race. And I was actually feeling fitter and, and you know, I, I, than I had been in a long time, really in good form, I had no symptoms whatsoever at all. And and you read about, the more you read about it, you hear about some of the common, common symptoms that come with prostate cancer. But I never had any of those uh, symptoms at all. So I was completely, you know, in my mind, fit as a fiddle. So it came as a total, you know, complete shock. Um, but, um, you know, the more you read, read about it, you know, the, the more uh, you realise that, that, you know, you don't have to have symptoms for it to be to be there. It can just unfortunately, it's just one of these things that can happen. It's very, very rare to happen in men of, of my age at the time. So uh, looking into the um, into Google and the statistics, there was a one in 10,000 chance of, of, of contracting prostate cancer aged 40. So. You know, basically, you know, I, I, you know, I won the the lottery equivalent yeah. <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of cancer diagnosis. So I I, I was incredibly unlucky uh, in that respect, and for a very long time I couldn't get my head around that. The fact that, you know, um, you know, it, it took a long time after that initial test to go for all the other tests and all the blood tests and all the scans and all the biopsies and all the things that go with it before you get to a diagnosis. But, you know, throughout that whole period of time, you know, I couldn't help but think how unlucky I was. And, you know, that statistic, one in 10,000 kept going round and round in my head. But, you know, that's that's a really uh, bad place to find yourself in because you find end up become wallowing in that kind of self-pity and self, um, you know, that kind of that fear and, and uh, anxiety can become really sort of consume all consuming and, and, and destructive. So, um, you know, that wasn't a good thing to do. So throughout this whole period, the one thing that sort of kept me going um, and the one thing that I lent on was running. Um, and, you know, I've always found whenever there's something that's stressing, stressing me out, something that's, that's sort of, you know, becoming too much to take, get my trainers on, get out the front door and, and go and, you know, run a few miles. And it makes all the difference. And 
you know, I can't, I can't emphasize enough. And I talk to people about it. I write about it in the book about the difference it makes when you are in a situation where things are out of your control, you're waiting on the results of tests or whatever that is, you know, the power of just being able to go out for a run is, is incredible. And it does, it, it is something that, you know, is free and it's, you know, it, it's something that for me made all the difference in the world. So it's a major, major part of that time. And I think that's, that's really interesting for people who have had sport or running or any activities part of their life previous to a cancer diagnosis, because you understand the importance of it. And then when something like that happens, it becomes even more important. And I think that's probably why you started the book, um, which is called The Running Drug, because you kind of reflect on the power of it as a tool a lot more than maybe you perhaps did before. And it becomes like an, you know, a bit of a lifeline, doesn't it? Absolutely right. Yeah. And, and it was a real reason why, you know, eventually I ended up writing the book because, you know, at the end of the journey, I've, you know, I've sort of reflected on it all. It was the one thing that just pulled me through and a consistent thing all the time. And, and, um, you know, actually when I got the phone call from that doctor, doctor's surgery invited me back saying that the doctor had flagged this PSA and the, the thing, the first thing I did, um, having received that phone call was go for a run. So I was at work at the time and it was lunch, it was near enough lunchtime. So I was I done the Google thing and freaked myself out. So I thought, well, I've got to go for a run. So the first thing I did was go for a run to kind of, you know, try and reduce that kind of, you know, uh, rush of adrenaline that comes from bad news like that. Um, and sort of you know, that's been you know consistent ever since. So, as I said, during those testing times and, you know, whilst you're waiting for the results and stuff, it's it, it's it's. It's funny because you do find yourself when you are in those those situations is no matter what anybody else says and they say to you, oh, I'm sure it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. You know, I, 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 I couldn't listen to that because I knew what they were saying, even though they had the best intentions, they couldn't. That, that wasn't true. They couldn't tell me that they couldn't say that. I didn't know. I couldn't believe them that it was going to be all right. So I didn't want to hear that. And I felt people sometimes I didn't want to think I kind of I changed the subject or I moved them on and you know I'm probably sure people thought I was the rudest person in the world because I just didn't want to talk about it but the one thing I did want to do the one thing that I that could get me out of that place was to go for a run and when you did do that when I did do that it was amazing the 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 almost physical effect it has on you so you know, when you when you are find in that sort of dark place, I I've called, I talk about it in the book a bit like wearing a really sort of heavy coat. It kind of drags you down, and it feels really sort of um, it weighs you down, and it, it it sort of drags you down, and it makes you physically feel sort of weakened. But then, as soon as you put your trainers on and you get out the door and you start running, that coat is thrown off, and and you feel lighter. You feel you know physically um, uh, much more positive, uh, uh, and you know you forget about the stuff that's been dragging you down. And, you know, you, you know, my, I don't know what happens when I run or whether I'm some kind of weirdo, but my, my, <laughs> my mind kind of empties when I run, I find yeah. that I don't dwell on stuff. I'm just focused on um, where I'm going and, and how fast I'm going, you know, looking at my watch, looking at my pace and whatever. And, and that, that just manages to sort of clear my head uh, completely. And by the time I get back, I feel like a totally different person. Uh, and that's, then that sort of sets you up for the rest of the day then. And, and uh, sort of, you know, you can, it doesn't matter what else sort of comes along because you've got that to lean back on. So it's been something that's always been, you know, a real, I found to be a real positive in those dark times for sure. Yeah. And that's really, 
interesting around how you, I use the word interesting quite a lot, but it is interesting about how you describe, because I was going to ask you actually what, you know, when you go out for that run and I'm looking outside my window because it's lovely outside today and I'm thinking, oh, I've already been out this morning though. But often people say, oh, running's great. Like, and when you're a runner, people just assume you jump out of bed and you're just able to run out the door and everything's amazing. But actually taking that first step can sometimes be really difficult because like you said, it's like wearing that big, thick coat over the head everything's weighing you down everything's telling you not to do it and sometimes it's really hard to describe to people what that feeling is of just I think it's kind of a bit like a metaphor in life just putting one foot in front of the other and concentrating on the present because I think when you have a cancer diagnosis and um you know I was diagnosed when I was 24 years old and running was my um my tool absolutely like it changed my life running did during that period of time and I and I see it so differently now like I have so much I don't love or just so much um, attachment to running because of what it did to me mentally and physically through a really difficult time and that sounds very similar to you and I think it's really hard to describe that to people to to tell them how powerful it can be and I think some of it's not just the aspect of running but also getting outdoors whether that be walking or moving in some sort of way and how that can just I think the mental effects and the positive impact that can have is really important. Yeah. Uh, and I think I completely agree. And, and I think there's, there's, there, I mean, there's science behind this. The NHS prescribes exercise and prescribes time outdoors for people with, with mild depression. Uh, so it's, it's clinically proven to, to work. You know, it, yeah. you know, it is as effective, if not more effective than, <clears throat> than you know, antidepressant drugs and, and so on and so forth. You know, the science is there to prove it. And, and it, you know, it's something that's, um, you know, I, I think people who don't run find that difficult to grasp and think perhaps, oh, you know, they're just, it's a cliche. It's it's something that, that people who run will always tell you that, you know, uh, same people who swim will tell you all that, you know, swimming is the best thing in the world. Runners will, runners will always tell you that running is the best <laughs> thing in the world. And, and I, can, I can understand that from their perspective. But all I would say is that, you know, I don't think you need to be the world's greatest runner to 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 feel the benefits of spending time outdoors and and just exercising and getting your heart move, you know, going faster than it does when you're sitting down uh, by yourself. And the, the benefits of those things combined are, you know, are incredible. And I found, I've always found that to be the case. Uh, and, and, you know, you know, when you do get a, a, a cancer diagnosis and for me, the, the hardest time was, was in the build up to that diagnosis, it was, was all that waiting and was all that testing and all that, you know, all those repeat visits to, you know, to the, the specialists and, and the consultants and, and the scans and so on and so forth. And you know, that was, that was horrendous. That was by far the worst, worst part of it all uh, for me. Um, and, you know, throughout that time, I definitely felt that, you know, going running was, was the one thing that sort of pulled, pulled me through that and, and helped, helped me to, to deal with it and co compartmentalize things in mm. my mind as well. I find when I'm running, sometimes I said earlier, I don't, you know, I saw my mind clears, but it kind of, I don't know what happens. It kind of allows you to sort of think much more logically about things in terms of what's sensible and what's, you know, what thoughts are destructive that you don't actually need, what you should actually be focusing on and what actually matters in life. So I think that's, that's always been how I've, I, I, you know, I've, I've approached it. So I've always seen it as something hugely, hugely positive and, and made it made, makes a makes a massive difference. And I think, you know, I would say to anybody who is going through that time and, you know, I'm sure lots of your listeners, you know, at this moment in time may well be going through that themselves in terms of that, that, that dark period when, you know, they don't know 
uh, you know, what's going on, or perhaps they have been diagnosed and they're facing the prospect of treatment and so on and so forth. And that's, that is, there's such hard times, such dark yeah. times. And, and, you know, it, I don't want to sound flippant by saying, just get, get trainers on and go out for a run and your problems are all solved because they're not, your problems are still going to be there when you come back, but it's about how you can sort of reprogram your mind to cope with them better. I think that's the thing that running does. And that I find it was that ability to sort of, you know, change your thinking and change the way you think so that you're better able to deal with what you've got to deal with. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think, I think a lot of people also, you know, it is about taking that first step. And sometimes you do have to be flippant, just get a move on and get out the door and see what happens. And you can, I always think you can always slow down. You can always stop. You can always go back in, but if you don't take that first step out the door, you'll never know what it feels like. And I think there's a lot of reluctancy around people diagnosed with cancer and moving and we're in a much better place in terms of education awareness um it bit more integrated into cancer care pathways but we still need more healthcare professionals to shout out about exercise we still need more cancer rehab programs to help support people so but this is why it's so important to share stories like yours tim and for you to write your books and us to do the podcast so that more people can be inspired to listen to different people dealing with their cancer diagnosis in different ways and see actually how they can do things differently to say what was done 10, 20 years ago when you were told to just rest and do nothing. Because yeah. I think there's obviously all the evidence around the physical benefits of moving more when diagnosed cancer, but the mental benefits are bigger than anything. And you just think actually it's so important to take control of some aspect of your life because um, I think what you were saying there around the early, di uh, you know, the diagnosis, waiting for scans, treatment, that's one of the toughest times. And that's because everything's out of your control. You're kind of giving yourself over to a team of professionals and the running from the sounds of it gave you that control that you needed. Yeah, that, that's, I think you're absolutely right. And, and it is, it is about control because when you, when you're going through that, that time, as you know yourself, you know, there's so much that is out of your control. There's so yeah. much that you that you can't, you know, you just got to, it's like being on a, uh, it, now this does sound cliche when you said it, it feels like you're on a roller coaster ride, but it is, it is, it is a process that you just got to go through from that first appointment all the way through to diagnosis and treatment and recovery. It's just a, it's a pathway. It's a journey that you got to go on and you can't do anything about it. You just got to go through the process, go to the meetings, go for the appointments, go for the scans and the operations and so on and come out the other side. So you can't control that. That's out of your control. You're just once you're on that journey, you've just got to keep going. But what you can control is what you do in those, you know, between stations, between those different points. How yeah. do you get yourself from station A to station B, appointment one to appointment two? You know, and that's the bit that you can control. And and I think in order to get to that next station and that next point, you've got to try and get yourself, I found myself personally, as fit as you can be. And I don't mean just physically fit but mentally fit uh, as well and running has that ability to do both um, I definitely found during my um, as I was sort of getting ready for operation um, my operation you know I, I really tried hard to get myself as physically fit as possible so that my recovery afterwards would hopefully go quicker yeah and by doing that I definitely you know the mental benefits of doing that as well were were hugely significant and helped me mentally uh, once I'd had that operation as well so there's, there's there's two sides and yeah you're absolutely right it's about controlling the bits that you can control and I know I know how hard it is when you're going through that but did we don't talk about this enough actually around family and you know you've got a young family and a partner and 
did actually running really help you to show up and you know and be there not be there for them because they're obviously supporting you but actually be you with them because I think that's the hardest sometimes you feel like you go into a hole and you're being looked after and you've you know you struggle with certain areas and talking about cancer did the running help you to to show up with your family oh definitely definitely you're absolutely right and and I I, I think family you know cancer diagnosis or no cancer diagnosis being a parent is hard work uh, anyway yeah. you know looking after a family uh being being a, a good husband and being a good dad it's it's you know it, it's hard work and, and demanding on on anyone bring cancer into the mix as well and i found that you know you can't help you know you but feel that you're being incredibly self-absorbed all the time that you're you're thinking about yourself and you're worrying about yourself and at the expense of spending time with your family or you might find that you're short with them and you know don't give them the attention that they should or, or you can't you know you can't focus on the kids reading or homework or whatever yeah um so that does that that's an, a part and parcel of both life and you know a, a diagnosis um but as as you know running again because it has that ability to reset things i found that you know if i was having a time when you know, the kids were were hard work and I was finding it a struggle or whatever again you know I'd go out I'd do a, do some miles come back um you know, have a shower and you kind of feel like you've washed off that stress run off that stress uh, it's gone and you can get on with them again and and you can you you know I, I felt I was a better dad better husband hopefully um for for doing that it does definitely make make all the difference and I think and- I'd rec- I'd still do that now I still find you know I'm 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 cancer free now which is which is you know a little, little way down the line, which is great. But I still find that I get moments at home when li- home life is a struggle, and you know going out for a run helps to to sort that out, as you know it would do for anybody at home. And I love that when you were you saying you feel like you've washed it off and you're back. And I think um, that sometimes even in lockdown, people were struggling with the whole working from home, when the day starts, when the day ends, when the stresses carry on into home life. And I found that if I wasn't running, at least going out for a walk and kind of putting a bookmark at the end of a day, you then go out, you reset, you come back and you don't think about the stresses that have been in that day because you're able to get outside, do some exercise, release those endorphins that you need. And that shows how important it is, whatever you're going through, um, whether that's cancer diagnosis, dealing with another disease or just actually just going through life and um like you say parenthood is extremely challenging trying to balance everything I saw something the other day and um it was on Instagram and it was saying how like work life parenthood socializing like trying to do the self-care stuff bath read (laughs) journal it's like chaos like how are you supposed to fit that into one day it's just impossible there's a lot of of, everyone's juggling a lot of balls all the time aren't they It's, it's not easy no, exactly. But I love how, yeah, I love the way you describe running as a tool to help with that and actually can then bring you back to a better place. And sometimes when when people who might be listening, when they're going through a cancer diagnosis, they don't want to do something for themselves. But actually what you're saying is by going out and doing a bit of exercise or going out for a run, you're also helping your family as well by doing that. So it's having a positive knock on effect on other people. And we are, you know, people love to support others. And actually, instead of, you know, you can reframe that as saying, actually this exercise is helping me to to be there for my family and also show up with who I am, um, which can be Definitely. really important. Definitely. And um, I think what one thing I'd also say as well is that is that 
when I in the when I um, I had a, ma a pretty major bit of surgery, and after I had that that surgery, um, you know, for the for the after I was you know, I couldn't do anything for about six or so weeks. But when I was able to sort of get out again, you know, I obviously I couldn't run straight away. So I kind of I rediscovered walking, which is a weird thing to say. Yeah, because uh, obviously everyone walks, but but everyone walks. But does everyone really walk? Yeah, you know, not until lockdown they yeah. didn't. Everyone walks well, now, true. but yeah. before lockdown nobody did. <laughs> yeah, but I, I write about it in the book because I, it, it it kind of opened my eyes to walking because you know everyone walks functionally, as in to get to get from A to B. But I found that you know I was able I couldn't run, so I was able to kind of you know I just took myself out and tried to walk further and further each day. And I was able to kind of, you know, with no nowhere necessarily to go, just walking around the streets, um, and and sort of, you know, just appreciating my little local neighbourhood more than I had done before, and kind of just really enjoying just walking around. Um, so I don't think you have to, you don't have to be the fittest person in the world to see the benefits of being outdoors and, and moving around. You know, even just you know walking ten minutes, you know, down the road uh, for no reason other than to go for a walk. Uh, can make all the difference in the world and it, and that really did open you know open my eyes and and you know uh, I enjoy walking with my kids and walking with my family but I would never otherwise normally go out for a sort of just a walk by myself yeah and so that that that's sort of, that sort of early time after my operation when I was when I was um, just walking around the streets of my my hometown was really eye-opening so I discovered gardens and roads I'd never even noticed before because I'd always run past them rather than walk past them the um, best bits when so you're re great. when you're doing some gardening or redecorating your house and you go for a walk and you get all your ideas by peering in the windows and looking that's at the front right. gardens yeah, that's what I'm that's guilty absolutely of right. yeah that's <laughs> right see oh yeah I like what they've done with their house over there that's interesting isn't it yeah yeah, yeah there's more to a walk idea. yeah there's more to a walk than you think sometimes <laughs> definitely definitely I'd agree there so let's talk about the book the running drug so you obviously went through this journey and that's hard enough in itself, let alone putting it into words and putting it into a book. Now, I know you have a background of being a journalist so and an incredible storyteller, so it obviously comes quite naturally to you. But was it a tough first steps going, oh, I want to write a book or was it a quite natural process? Well, it, actually, I, I, I started off when I was um, when I came out um, of hospital um, uh, I had a period of six weeks where I couldn't do anything. I was literally housebound for, for six weeks. So, um, you know, being a writer by, by trade, I just started writing, writing it all, writing my thoughts down. Um, and I never thought at that point that there's a book here. I was just doing it just to pass the time and to get some, get thoughts out of my head and down onto, onto paper. So I just started sort of typing up, um, uh, you know, my memories and my reflections and of, treatment and 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 you know all the time that went before and so on and so i i, I did that uh and you know wrote a wrote a, a fair fair chunk then and and then i sort of you know life you know slowly began to return to normal and i forgot about it i kind of i left it there and didn't think anything more of it did the it just to jump in quickly yeah. sorry did the um did the writing help because i know quite a lot of people i did it myself actually i blogged just for myself initially but did that help your mind as well going through that initial process actually just writing oh, everything down definitely gosh I can't tell you how much that that helps and I you know obviously being someone who writes for a living anyway uh, you know I find I've always found you know getting thoughts out of my head and down onto paper is an incredibly sort of cathartic thing it does make make a big difference 
uh, and, and uh, you know, being able to sort of shape it into a story or a structure or something to it, you know, it, it def definitely does help kind of, it, it, it gets the, the chaos that's in your head and it brings it into order on paper. And that kind of, you know, I, I found that incredibly helpful. But as I said, at the time, I wasn't doing it for any purpose or any reason. I just wanted to get it out of my head and down on, down yeah. on paper. Um, so, yeah, so that was, you're absolutely right. That, that was really helpful. But I, I, I did it, and I did a large chunk of it, and then I forgot about it for a while. Um, and then I, I um, you know, I entered the marathon. Uh, I went through all the process. Uh, so which um, marathon was it? It was the London London Marathon. Okay, and which so, year was this? So it was 2019. So I got diagnosed in December 2017. I had my uh, operation in February 2018. Uh, applied for the marathon when I watched it on the telly in April 2018. I was inspired then after watching it on the telly, as you do. And literally on the day that it was on the telly, I then filled in the application form with the Prostate Cancer UK team uh and uh and applied there and then and thankfully got accepted and got a place in the 2019 uh, event um and then so i, I did you know I was hugely excited about that uh, and did all the training and all the build-up for, for that and then i uh, i did the race itself in, in 2019 and it wasn't until after i'd done that that i thought actually this is this was great and again i wanted to get it down on paper and, and write about it so i started to sort of again put some thoughts down on on, on paper and then I think, again, I left it for a little while and then lockdown happens, as we all know. Yeah. And I had time on my hands. So I then sort of went back to it and looked at it. And there's two separate sort of chunks of work that I'd done, you know, when I was out of hospital and then sort of after the, the marathon. And I thought, actually, maybe I could bring these things together and, and make a make a book out of it. So it was a lockdown um, so, project then. So it was a lockdown project. Completing. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So Lisa, you're not just the one who put the feet up during lockdown. You actually <laughs> bought our book, which is incredible. Yeah, well, it's it was I think it's probably some probably sort of 70 percent written before lockdown. And then uh, so it, lockdown gave me the opportunity to bring it all together, finish that last bit. And then sort of yeah make it make it sort of work as a as a book and hopefully now it's kind of brings together my story from from you know uh, diagnosis and, and and all of that all the way through to completing the london marathon but um you know it was a hugely enjoyable project and one i, re I really really um uh, really enjoyed from start to finish but in terms in terms of what i wanted to achieve i wanted you know to, i wanted to write the book but i wanted you know to raise awareness amongst young younger men of of prostate cancer and and the fact that it can be a completely symptomless disease uh, and yeah. the importance of, of of getting tested for for men of my age in their early 40s to consider getting a, a PSA test and especially if they get invited to a health check by the NHS to go to it and I think the thing that shocked me the most uh, was that something like you know I think two thirds of people who are invited don't go to their free health yeah. check. Um, and there's no doubt about it that my free health check saved my life. And if I hadn't gone to that health check and we only get invited every five years to a health check. So if I hadn't gone at age 40, I wouldn't have got another invite until 45. And if I hadn't, if I left it that time, my, my consultant told me that by if I'd not gone and it hadn't been picked up until 45, then my tumor would have been too big. It wouldn't, and, and it would have been incurable and I'd have been dead by 50. Wow. So so you know so it's like it words. is life-changing yeah. isn't it and oh, did, yeah absolutely question as well did you know so this is did you know that you were going to have those tests when going to the health check so i think that's some sometimes people are like oh it's just a health check like what are they actually going to look at and like you say that changes your your life completely 
and yeah. so do you know what they are testing before you go or is this awareness piece so important to make sure that people are understanding what they're going for well yeah yeah that's a good question because when i went along to it um i didn't know what it was involved i just it was just what i'd booked in that went along i turned up and the reception lady gave me a form to fill in and there's lots of tick boxes and i i didn't i don't know as you do i just ticked everything and signed it and gave it back and what i realized afterwards that one of those boxes i ticked was for a psa um uh, check um and uh, i didn't even i don't think i even knew what psa stood stood no. for at the time so um and then i think i've learned in 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 the time since actually that not all excuse me not all nhs trusts offer a, P a psa test as part of their health check program um which is really surprising so yeah. I would say to all guys listening to this that, you know, regardless of whether or not your health check uh, includes a PSA test, if you're aged 40, if you're in your 40s, make sure you get a PSA test. You know, you, you need to. It's really important for guys to to know what their baseline PSA level is um, in order then to then in later years to get a, to realize how much it's gone up. So if if age 40, you get a PSA reading and it's it's a very low one which i hope you know hopefully it will be um and then you go back in five years time you have another one and they say it's gone up you know you give you another figure you can tell how much it's gone up uh, and that's a really good indicator of of of, of you know um, whether or not you need to look into that further so if you don't get that test aged 40 um then you're not going to know how much it's gone up yeah. when you have that test later down the line so it's an incredibly complex and 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 much debated um, measure of prostate cancer because PSA can also give you give you know could be a, a false indicator of prostate cancer because you know it can be it can it can go up based on other factors as well. So I'd say read up about it, but you know, most importantly, make sure you get that PSA test um, and, and just just yeah just get it done get tested because like you say even if it's a inaccurate or false reading it's still the that doesn't that isn't going to have a negative effect on your life because you've actually had it done and then they're going to check it out and yeah. I think that what happens when you have cancer and you become more of an expert in the the diagnosis trying to get early diagnosis and it's such a shame that I mean charities like prostate UK is still doing great work around awareness like you sharing your story we've got Tony who's one of our 5k away ambassadors who does a lot of talks and you know telling people about getting tested and um looking at early diagnosis and I think that's so important that everybody's driving that forward because like you say we should know more about it before it's even in our lives and often with cancer if you've not had anybody you know or friends and family then you don't actually know much about it at all and and that's the hardest thing to pick up either symptoms if you do have some sort of symptoms or actually just going through those routine tests which can be life-saving absolutely and, and you know routine is the word they are routine and, and no you know no one's going to ask you to do anything you know terrifying or, or scary or, or whatever you know it's, it's a, you know a health check is a blood test at the end of the day it's something very very simple and i'd also say you know in terms of you know guys in terms of men this whole stigma around men's health uh, and and you know uh, embarrassments um, that that comes with it, you know, come on, what age are we living in now? It's it's mm. it's, it's crazy for guys to still be thinking that way, and um, I can understand it, but uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, your doctor's seen everything a million times. They're not gonna they're not gonna um, run a million miles. Uh, when you come knocking on their door it's, it's just a body it's, parts of them they don't care the do part. they yeah absolutely <laughs> they don't care they've seen it all a thousand times 
so you know don't you know don't die of embarrassment just just um you know go and if you are worried about anything no matter what it is um go go and get it checked out um because you know it's crazy to leave it it's crazy to leave it because you know you know you leave it and it becomes too late then you know what can you do so yeah. yeah i would say to anybody get yourself checked out get tested when it comes to psa um, and don't miss that health check if you get invited to it definitely yeah we'll put that make sure we put that in bold on our um, podcast notes as well to make sure definitely. people are getting that um piece from this so let's go back to the london marathon because i feel like we skipped over that a little bit and <laughs> um because that was quite a big achievement for you because i know that you know you had your cancer diagnosis you went through operations and body and mind back recovering but actually running a marathon, you said you did like 5Ks, 10Ks, maybe an odd half marathon. But I did my first marathon in um, October and it's no, you know, it's not easy to run a marathon. Um, people think, oh, if you're a runner, they automatically ask you if you've run a marathon. But actually, it's really hard. So talk us through that training journey and leading to the marathon. What were the emotions as well going on? Because obviously you're doing it for a cause that's very close to your heart. And I'm guessing you write about that in the book around what that looked like for you. Yeah, I write a lot about that in terms of the the training that comes with a marathon, and, and you know, it's it's it is a big undertaking. And for me, it was it was incredibly significant because I wanted to do it for Prostate Cancer UK and 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 raise all the money that I needed to raise and and so on and so forth. Um, and you know, it's it wasn't too far since I'd been I'd been um, had my operation and stuff, so it was almost part of my recovery um, uh, anyway. So that's how it started, and and it sort of built from there. But the training and, and the, um, uh, you know, all the all the months and uh, of training those, through those cold winter months and all the different sessions you have to do, the long runs, the short runs, the speed work, the hill work, all that kind of stuff. It is <laughs> complicated stuff, isn't it? They say it, running's easy, yeah. but. <laughs> I, I found one of the hardest things being choosing a training plan. There are a billion of them out on the, on the Internet. So I really sort of spent ages, you know, searching through different training plans to try and find one that would fit in around my life and, and, and my other commitments and things. So that was a challenge in itself, just finding the training plan. But once I'd found one, you know, it's, I, I really enjoyed the, the whole process of sticking to it as much as you possibly could and, and uh, you know, fitting it in uh, around, around your life and, and, and sort of seeing your, your strength and your stamina and your, your, you know, um, uh, you know the, the distance you're able to run, seeing that increase and grow over the weeks and the months, it's incredibly satisfying. Really, really good. Um, yeah. So I loved it. I loved it. Even the even those cold, those long cold Sunday runs in January. Well, you there, had the you because since yeah, since then, and I was going to say you had the April last time London Marathon was in April. So then this year and then next year we, you had we've got had the lovely summer months leading into london so yeah well I, I, mind you i thought i had it easy i think the guys who've done it who did it in the last couple i had to train two or three times it's been cancelled and rearranged and so on and so yeah forth. So, so yeah i don't mind i'm also you know i don't mind uh, i prefer running in the cold than i do in the hot so for me running through those training through those winter months i really wasn't that bothered it was, i was fine with that so i actually felt you know, I think if you ran through, the, you did your training through the summer months. I think you probably had it harder than I did because I think that's a, that's a, that's quite a struggle running in the in the heat. Oh, I love I love running in the heat. <laughs> I take that. <laughs> oh, any there day. you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> when when I was thinking about, I, I did a long Sunday run on well on Sunday a long run, and I just my lips were just so cold because the wind, and I was thinking, bring me back the sunshine. <laughs> Where yeah, do I need yeah. that? Yeah. I was gonna I was gonna ask you what was your favorite part of the training plan into London? So like, do you have is it the long run or do you love the sessions or is there a loop that you love the most? 
gosh um well i'm quite lucky in that where i live so i live i live um in in fleet in hampshire and we've got the basingstoke canal which runs right through fleet and goes goes um uh, you know uh, both directions from where i live uh, and there's there's lots of lots of you know lovely canal to run along so i found that i found myself running along that canal for miles and miles and miles and getting to know it very very well and that was a, that was a real joy i really enjoyed running along the, along the canal but um you know i think surprisingly for me that some of the some of the most enjoyable sessions were some of those speed sessions that that you know i would only ever have done as part of a plan uh, and at that time i didn't belong to a running club so i didn't i didn't sort of do much sort of speed work and much sort of hill sessions and things like that so following a plan which says you've got to go out and you've got to do you know a minute in a minute as fast as you can followed by a minute minute walking or whatever whatever it is whatever that pyramid session is or whatever the session is that you've got on the uh, uh, on the plan i never really done much of much of that before so that was eye opening and i actually even though at the time it's incredibly hard, I, I enjoyed that. I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy being part of a running club now because we do much more of that stuff. So we do much more once the a lung week. We'll do a, yeah, we do a the lung burning stuff. Or, or <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, I, yeah, you know, being a part of a running club now, you know, I don't know when, you know, if, if I would ever sort of normally take myself by myself to a great big hill and run up and down it, you know, 10 times <laughs> in an evening. You know, like a madman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's a funny, funny thing. So yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the long runs, uh, and I enjoyed the uh, the speed work as well. And how was your how was your marathon day? I can imagine it was quite emotional because this goal was set, you know, during a cancer journey, and and there's a lot of probably emotion that might come out on the day. Did you did you enjoy the the marathon process on the day, and did you get what you wanted to get out of it? Gosh, yes, times times a million. Yeah, I mean, it was incredibly emotional, incredibly um, powerful, uh, and yeah, it was an amazing, amazing experience. And I remember, and I write about it in 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 the start of the book. You know that that feeling of of standing on the on the start line, and we've all seen that picture of the London Marathon where that shot that looks down Blackheath Avenue, and you've got all the thousands of people waiting at the start. And I found myself sort of stood in the middle of that pack looking up at the at the crane where the camera the cameraman on the top uh looking down on us thinking how surreal that was that i was used to seeing that tv picture of all the thousands and there i was in the middle of that pack waiting to start and i remember thinking at the time gosh this is this is incredible you know and i felt incredibly emotional i hadn't even run a step at that point <laughs> I, I hadn't even got across the finishing line and i was fine i can't cry at this point it's ridiculous come on get a grip <laughs> So, um, so that was that was uh, that was incredible. And then the race itself, the run itself, it, it is amazing. And I think it's the things that surprised me most. The bits of the London Marathon that I was expecting, the bits you see on the telly, like Tower Bridge and Cutty Sark and and the Embankment and Buckingham Palace, all those bits were amazing. But the bits that I found were to be most incredible were, were the bits that you don't see on the telly. The streets you run along where there are no cameras, but there's people playing music and there's bands that come from nowhere there's you know um uh people you know, lining the streets shouting and cheering and you know it's just incredible the atmosphere is absolutely amazing the support was was overwhelming and you know that was that was the magic of it it was the bits you don't see on the telly those countless you know countless miles of of london streets that that aren't as glamorous as as the embankment or or, or the mall but nevertheless are incredibly welcoming and supportive and you know yeah incredible I, I loved every step of it 
and people say don't they when you you know you you get back your faith in human beings by watching a marathon running a marathon or watching it live and I think that's really true I've you know I ran London this year and it blew me away that I've yeah. never run a race like it I, th I always describe a marathon some of the major marathons as if you can't make an Olympics as an athlete, that is your Olympics, whatever standard, because it feels like you're on top of the world and the every single mile feels like the finish line. And that's the, yeah. that's the danger yeah. of the marathon because you're running along being like, this is amazing. And then by the end, you're like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is tough. Well, yeah, I definitely hit, I don't know about you, but I definitely hit that wall that they talk about, which I was, I didn't even, I was kind of skeptical as to whether or not it, it existed, but it definitely does. <laughs> it's so there, me, isn't was, it? Yeah, that was mile 21. I think that was about it, me. And I was I was really, at that point, you know, my legs sort of felt like tree trunks. And I was like, what's going on? This is really strange. Um, but I remember at that point, uh, really, really struggling. Uh, and I actually, I just pulled to the side of the road. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't want to stop, but I did just for a second, just to stretch off um, my legs. Um, and some total stranger just came up to me at the side, put his, ha put his hand around me, said, come on, mate, you've got this, you can do this. Uh, and, you know, I'd found that incredibly uh, emotional because I didn't know this guy, but, you know, he was doing his best to kind of gee me up and make sure I, I could, you know, go, go on. Um, was, I, That's amazing. It was amazing. Amazing, yeah. Incredible. And I think, I think what running and being involved in sport teaches you, and this is probably why those things got transferred to when you were diagnosed cancer, is it does teach you that life is literally up and down and like at the end of that marathon it's like you've got to try and find a way to get yourself to the finish line um as well as you can and I think you know when I went through my treatment I had quite a tunnel vision there's no guarantee with the outcome but all I could focus on was this present day this step one step at a time to try and get to that next step and I think I love that's why I love sport and I love everything about running because I think it really teaches you those skills to not just sit there and dwell and think about the future. Like you could have been feeling sorry for yourself in that marathon and it does hurt, but actually you're like, how am I going to get to the finish line? And you will find a way. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Running is a, running is a metaphor for, for life. You know, isn't mm -hmm. it? It's, it, as you say, it's one, one step at a time and you can't, and a marathon is exactly that. You can't think about the finish. You just got to think about the next mile, the next mile, the next mile, just got to keep going. Um, and and yeah, it's it's the same, you know, with it with a with a cancer diagnosis. You can't think about the end of the journey. You just got to go to the next appointment, yeah. the next the next scan, the next whatever, uh, and 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 see what see what happens one step at a time. So I completely agree that that's definitely you know, running running a marathon is a metaphor for life, definitely. Absolutely. And I can't finish the podcast. I'm gonna. We've got some quick fire questions to ask to finish off, okay. but I can't finish without asking what was your marathon time. Well, I wanted to go under four hours, but I didn't. I didn't. Um, I did four hours, 20 minutes and one second. That's so incredible, was, uh, though. <laughs> yeah, so I was happy that's with really that. good. So, yeah. And, and mm. you know, more, more importantly, I raised, uh, you know, I raised two and a half grand for Prostate Cancer UK. And that was wow. that was that was the real that was you know, you know, double achievement for me on that on that front. You know, the time was 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 I was happy with it. Um, and you know that the amount, you know, being able to to hand that money to to Prostate Cancer UK was was fantastic as well. So, yeah. absolutely, yeah, huge achievement there. And I think next, next time it will be under four though. Next time it will be under four. <laughs> well, I was going to say to you actually, for just from a um, from a training perspective and running a marathon, you do learn a lot in your first one in terms of the the process, and it's so different to any other race that the next time you attack it, you do 
pacings a little bit differently. You do know that the negative split is more important than people <laughs> make it out to be. And yeah, you have lots of learning. So I'm sure you will find um, find that sub four. Are you have you got another one in the plans or? No, I haven't got anything, uh, anything else, uh, no other marathons uh, in, in, you know, in coming up in the, in the near future. But I've got to I see what's I see what I can see what's coming up in, in 2022. But I, I would like to do something. I've I've got I've got quite a lot quite, quite into uh, trail running uh, over, over this last year, especially. So I've done a couple of trail half Amazing. marathons this year, which have been great. So I might try and find a trail marathon. That might be my next. Nice you know if you've never so this is kind of nice trail not like um going up the fell trails but the kilda and i'm giving a bit of a shout out for the events of the north team here <laughs> who we know but kilda marathon is absolutely incredible in northumbria so i did the half marathon a few years ago um and it's it's in october and it's one of the most beautiful marathons and the trails are like carpet it's so good so that might Excellent. be one to put on the list <laughs> okay cool okay noted noted yeah get that yeah. one on the list so let's tie things up now tim because it's been absolutely amazing talking to you and hearing your journey and story so i love finishing with a bit of quick fire because i think okay. it's really nice to don't worry they're not too obscure questions <laughs> but they're usually quick fire <laughs> but then actually require a bit of a longer answer um but I just one of the first one, I just want to ask you one piece of advice that you'd give someone who's in a similar situation to you um, that you when you were diagnosed with cancer. Gosh, I think the one one piece of advice I would I would give anybody in that situation is, is, ju is just to take as we just talked, as we were just saying, just take things one step at a time. Don't don't immediately jump to worst case scenario. Just find yourself in the process and go to the next appointment. So one step at a time. That's the only only way you can you can get through these things. I think is to not not jump too far ahead. Just take things one step at, at a time. Love it, absolutely. Um, one book recommendation, obviously your own, the Running Drug. <laughs> but have you got <laughs> any other book recommendations that Gosh, you could give um, people? Oh God, I can't remember what it's called now. It's a fantastic book. It's about um, uh, a lost tribe of runners. Um, oh, I know. Oh, I yeah. Can't remember what it's called now, but it's um, it's a really famous one. Is it? Uh, it's not in the clouds. Oh, yeah, I know. Yes. What, I is it running in the clouds? Running in the clouds. It, it could like. be. It's about a lost tribe. I think in Mexico, a uh, lost tribe of of, of runners, um, and it's brilliant because it, it it just it opens your eyes up to a complete uh, you know an entire civilization that's built on running. Uh, so that is a great a great read. So. It would help if I could remember the name of it, but I can't. So, so yeah. Yeah, we'll <laughs> find we'll out and put it in the show notes yeah. <laughs> as we always do. <laughs> um, where is your favourite place to run? Gosh, my favourite place to run. Um, well, I have to say, right here in my hometown of, of Fleet, and that we've got a uh, a place called Caesar's Camp, which is a uh, uh, it's an off road run that ends up on it with a fantastic view over over the whole of uh, sort of Hampshire, and you can see as far as London. Uh, it's a fantastic, um, a fantastic piece of, uh, of of trail trail running, and it's completely sort of, you know, you've got to go completely off road to get there. Uh, and yeah, that's definitely one of my favourite favourite runs up there. Fab. So if anyone's listening, you can go check that one out because I know we have definitely. a lot of people who run who listen to the podcast. Um, I've got two more questions for you. Your favourite yeah. race? My favourite race? Well, I, I gotta have to say London Marathon. I gotta say London Marathon. It yeah. has to be London Marathon. You know, I, it's it's. Yeah, it, it's been it's it, it's a life changing race for me, London Marathon. So I have to I have to say London Marathon without a doubt. I love that. Yeah. 
And the last question, do you have a quote or a saying that you stand by? I'm massive on quotes. <laughs> so do you have one of oh, those man. that you stand by? Gosh. Um, or that's wow. helped you? A quote that's helped me. Um, God, do you know what? I'd have to give that some thought. I don't think I, I, I not <laughs> off the top of my head, I don't. I, 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 what, I'd love to be able to say that I have a mantra that is the thing that you that I that's written on my wall or on the bump, you know on a bumper sticker on my car or something like that. But I don't. I'm afraid I don't have one. But isn't that awful? We'll, Can I think we'll, about it and and uh, let you know? Absolutely. So we'll put watch this space and then okay. you can let us know and then we'll share that on social media. Okay. Um, right. Because actually, I always think I always assume everybody does have one, but not everybody does. <laughs> I'm I'm just too big on quotes and and that type of stuff. But um, terrible, as a journalist, but I should have I should have quotes coming out my ears, shouldn't I? Really? So <laughs> Maybe you need that. to put a list of them on your desk yeah. just in case someone ever asks okay. you those questions. And then the, just the last one, where can people get hold of your book? Because I think um, from actually having this conversation with you, I think everybody needs to go and get that book and read it and be inspired. And I can imagine, um, yeah, it's just, I think it would be a brilliant book for everybody to read. So where can people get hold of it? Oh, that's really kind of you to, to, to give it a shout out. And the, so the book's available on, on, on Amazon. I've self-published it, so it's, it's, it's published by myself. Um, Amazing. So it's available uh, as paperback. Uh, or uh, or for your kindle uh, through amazon so just type in the running drug and hopefully you'll find it brilliant and i actually saw um because can people follow you on social media as well do you um are you big yes. on social yeah so um yeah so you can find me on twitter I've, gosh there's at, at run timbo run is on is i'm on on twitter and then i've got a, a blog as well so clued up runners is my blog so you can find if you search for clued up runners you should be able to find my uh, my blog and the insta account there as well i think brilliant not, and i, 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 don't, I thing is i don't I'm, I'm not very good on social because i don't have the time for it that's the thing i find that social you need to be oh, able to dedicate time to it so i'm not as active on there as i should be but it's like another job isn't it it's um yeah. it's like another world that requires a full-time attention or a pa to deal with absolutely. So. absolutely but i saw a lovely photo with you with vasos alexander and um nell mccandrew as well so on there yeah when you're promoting yeah. your book they were great, uh, great support. So yeah, so big. Uh, Nell um, did a fantastic review of the book for me. So she's she's a star. Uh, and I went on the uh, the show with uh, Vassos as well. So he was he was uh, he was great. So yeah, being very grateful for some for some fab support. Awesome. Well, it's an absolute honour, Tim, to have you on our podcast. I've really loved talking to you. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Oh, thanks, Gemma. It's been fab. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Does anybody just want to go out for a run right now after that conversation with Tim? What an awesome human being Tim is. It was such an honour to have him on this podcast to talk about his journey from cancer diagnosis to marathon medal and writing a book in between. He definitely was not lazy in lockdown and just put his feet up. Writing a book is such an incredible achievement and the fact that it's self-published is even more amazing. In the podcast, um, Tim talks about raising awareness of prostate cancer, which is incredibly important, how running gave him the control he needed in his life, both physically and mentally, when going through that really challenging period, and how the London Marathon for him was life-changing. He also talks about not having a quote or a mantra, and he's going to write a few of those down in his office for his next interview. But watch this space. We will share one on social media when he comes back to us. Make sure you check out Tim's book, The Running Drug. Highly, highly recommended. And I'm looking forward to um, definitely highly recommended, but also a very good Christmas gift when Christmas coming up, if I'm allowed to mention the C word again. So we hope you enjoyed listening. I'm off out now for a run. How can you not go for a run or even a walk or get outside um, to bookend my day, get outdoors, 
and what we call is get rid of and reset the body get rid of all whatever's happened in your day reset the body and come back for a relaxing evening have a fantastic evening everybody and we'll be back with our next podcast in episode in a couple of weeks 